Last Sunday, for those of you who weren't there, we asked the question, why Easter? Why did Jesus have to go through the events which we now celebrate as Easter through the story that we've just experienced? Last week we talked about how Easter is an example of Jesus modelling the concept of love as an example for us to follow. And he talks about this love in John's Gospel. In the 13th verse of the 15th chapter of John, it says, There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So we can clearly see that Jesus is saying, I'm prepared to be an example for all mankind. Follow my lead. But there's more to it than just being a good example for us to follow. And to find out what that is, we have to ask one more question. Why the cross? And that's not a trivial question, because we have seen in the beginning of this story that Cody read out, that Jesus himself asks the same question of his heavenly Father. Matthew 26, 39, just to remind you, it says, He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Now the cup of suffering he mentions here is his imminent imprisonment, torture, trial, and eventual death on the cross. He's asking the same question that I hear a lot of people asking about salvation. Isn't there another way? Jesus is in effect asking his father, can't we just let them be good people and get them into heaven that way? Or perhaps we can accept their good works if they spend their lives helping the poor. Seems fair enough, doesn't it? Or can't they just pay for their salvation by donating all their money to charity? And here we have God, the Father, saying to Jesus, mankind is unable to pay for their sin. There is no other way. You are going to have to pay the price for them. You see, we don't have to pay the price for sin. But we do have to meet Jesus at the cross. So what does, what does that mean? Well, this cup of suffering that Jesus talks about consisted of three main elements. And the first of which was physical, mental and emotional pain. I mean, we've just heard Jesus was beaten and spat on and had a crown of thorns embedded in his scalp before he was whipped until his back was raw. He went through a mock trial where he was betrayed, defamed and abandoned to his enemies. Then he was forced to carry his cross to the place of execution where nails were driven through his hands and feet before he was hoisted upright. By this time, his tongue had swollen to double its normal size and he could hardly swallow. And if that wasn't enough, he carried the second main element, which was the burden of sin. And you might think, well, that's, that's not much. We all carry that. But Jesus, up until this point, had not experienced sin in his own life. He'd seen plenty of it in others, but he himself was sinless. But to purchase our salvation, he had to take on sin. And now, this wasn't just the sin of the people who lived during the time that Jesus walked on this earth. This was not just the sins of the people who lived before Jesus was born. This included the sins of people not yet born. 
This included your sin and mine. We actually contributed, our sin contributed to Jesus' death on the cross. You know, historians and and theologians like to argue as whether the Jews killed Jesus or whether it was the Romans that killed Jesus. But in actual fact, it was our sin that killed Jesus. Because he he didn't die for the Jews. He didn't die for the Romans. He died for the forgiveness of our sins. This was an incredible burden for Jesus to take on. And because of this burden, it actually resulted in the third element of that cup, which was separation from his Father. You see, God cannot coexist with sin. So when Jesus took on our sins, there was a connection that slammed shut between Jesus and his Father for the first time ever. Jesus was isolated from the love of God. Now, I've heard a lot of people who don't believe in God or who reject salvation as unnecessary. They joke about hell. They joke about it as being a place where it actually won't be too bad because there's going to be a lot of other people just like them together in hell. And they're going to have a good time together with the devil in charge. And, you know, I think a lot of people regard hell as sort of an underground tenement with the devil as the landlord. But the Bible doesn't describe it like that. The Bible speaks of hell as a place of darkness, loneliness and isolation, separated from God and separated from everyone else. When Jesus was separated from his Father's love, he was literally in hell. So when I say we must meet Jesus at the cross, it's more than just a mental assent that Jesus may have existed. It's more than just believing that Jesus was a good man. It's more than an assertion that God has a redemption plan for mankind. Meeting Jesus at the cross is an acknowledgement that the things Jesus did on the cross were specifically for our salvation, that he paid an incredible price to purchase a means for us to connect with God and to secure eternal life. This wasn't and isn't just a spiritual journey. Jesus underwent gruesome torture and a disgusting amount of pain for you and for me. He took on the burden of our sin so that we don't have to. But first of all, we have to humble ourselves and acknowledge that we are indeed sinners in need of forgiveness. Jesus also calls us to take on board the truth that we live our lives separate from our Father no matter how good we think we are. And the only way to forge that connection is through Jesus himself. John 14:6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. The message of Easter is a celebration of the greatest transaction ever made on our behalf. When Jesus paid the price for our sin, and opened the way to our Father in heaven through the cross. So how do we meet Jesus at the cross? John's Gospel tells us this, where Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised 
when I say you must be born again. What Jesus asks us to do is to lay down our old lives and take up a new life, a new birth, where we acknowledge the sacrifice Jesus made for us personally by declaring our decision to follow Him as our Lord and our Saviour. And we start that process with a pair, a pair, a prayer of declaration. You can pray a couple of prayers if you feel that helps. But if you've never been born again, if you've never met Jesus at the cross, or if you have, but you know you're not living that born again life, then I invite you to pray that declaration with me this morning. In fact, let's all stand and pray it together. I'm going to pray it line by line and I'm going to ask you to repeat each line as I pray. Jesus, I admit that I'm not perfect. I'm sorry for my sins and I need your forgiveness. Right now I turn away from my old life and begin a new life following you. I believe you died for my sins and rose again. I accept you as my Saviour and Lord. Come into my heart and renew my life. Thank you for saving me. Amen. If you're watching online and you prayed this prayer for the first time or prayed to renew your relationship with Jesus, please press the raise hand button in the chat and one of our team will be in touch with you privately. And if you're here in person this morning, can I encourage you, if you have made that decision truly in your heart, can just tell someone. Come and speak to me or one of the team and we'll help you take the next steps. You know, one of the best things you can do is just start going to church. We'd love you to come to this one. But if that doesn't work for you, choose a church and start attending. It's what Jesus died for. It's why meeting him at the cross is the most important thing we can do.